The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. This is your captain speaking. We are beginning our descent into madness. And we are back to another edition of West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late, but boy, do we have a really, really interesting show tonight. Genevieve, how are you doing over there? I'm doing quite all right. Definitely um, excited and intrigued yeah. about tonight. Tonight's topic we've tackled before on this show, but I, I think tonight's going to be the first time that we're really going to go really deep into the this this particular topic. But before I continue any further... I just want to make a quick note that today is November 22nd, and a day much like today, in 1963, President John F. Kennedy was uh, assassinated in Texas. That was 52 years ago today. It's just crazy how fast time flies. We had the chance to interview Jim Mars, who wrote the book uh, Crossfire, The Plot to Kill Kennedy, uh, which was later used as one of the uh, foundations for the popular Oliver Stone movie, uh, JFK. And obviously there is a lot to be said about this uh, particular uh, conspiracy, who was involved, who did it, who pulled the trigger, and who stood to benefit. If you want to check out that interview, uh, definitely go to our website, wotrradio.com, um, and just scroll through. You'll see there the uh, Wanted poster with JFK's picture on it. And that's our interview with Jim Mars where we talk all things JFK, uh, one of the, the, the real fascinating uh, conspiracies that caught a lot of people's attentions and still does so to this day. On a lighter note, I want to send a, a birthday shout out to a special little guy out there named Ace who's turning two years old. I mm-hmm. think he is officially two years old. He turns two years old tomorrow, West Coast time. But I think it's already tomorrow, today, yeah, where where they are at. So shout out <laughs> to them. Happy two years and, uh, and many more. Uh, have a blast. And shout out to Courtney and Ross who are the parents of said charming young man uh mm-hmm. i hope that they're all doing great and and having a good time and, and catching the the show all right that being said we're gonna get things underway here because as i mentioned tonight's topic it's mind control we've talked to ron Patton about this in the past and uh and we've discussed it on this show from time to time and there's a lot to be said about this but we got the chance to to read one of the books that our guest tonight, Elisa E, has published. They're mm-hmm. called Our Life Beyond MK Ultra, and there's a book one and a book two. And for our friends who are on Ustream right now watching, there you have the the cover of the first book and the cover of the second book. I'm telling you that this this topic is as multi layered as some of the experiences and things that our guests had to go through. And uh, Genevieve, I'm going to let you do uh, an introduction for our guest tonight. Um, so we'll be talking to Elisa tonight, author of A Life Beyond MK Ultra Books 1 and 2, and um, they tell the autobiographical story of Elisa's um, subjection to trauma-based mind control, intentionally designed by hybridized and cloned bloodline elites. The black tech, as it's called, that fragmented her mind was administered by an elite bloodline network of minions and perpetrators enslaved for centuries by malevolent beings. 
Her deep deprogramming, basically coming out of that state, um, began in 2008. Elisa is a preconception hybrid who became aware of her clones in the late 1980s. The current state of mind control technology now involves not only hybridization and cloning, but post-birth cybernization and the design of human-looking beings who are actually soulless. Now, the first book um, of our life beyond MK Ultra presents a um, horrendous programming and on tasks that ran through her early decades. The second book concentrates on the life-threatening journey from the, um, her time of escape to her years, you know, committed to this deep programming. As far as we know, you know, it's an ongoing process. Us, and that's what we're here to talk to Elisa about tonight. Yeah, and without further ado, uh, let's welcome Elisa E to the show. Elisa, how are you? Can you hear us okay? I can hear you great. Thanks for inviting me on. No, it's our pleasure. Uh, uh, thank you in advance because some of the, the stuff that we're going to talk about tonight is some pretty serious stuff. As I mentioned earlier, this is a topic that we have discussed in the past, but I believe that the level of detail that we'll get tonight from you and your experiences is something that uh, I don't think we've really uh, explored. And it's really difficult because where do you begin? It's such a complex situation. But why don't you give us just a brief overview for our listeners that maybe are not familiar with what MKUltra is, or maybe they heard the term, but they are not 100% sure what that means. Okay. Well, MKUltra... Um Officially, or I don't, I guess it is officially back, it started back in the 50s. Mm -hmm. um, I believe it started long before that. <clears throat> but um, it was a, kind of an umbrella that covered uh, numerous sub projects of, of various versions of mind control or potential mind control research. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> there were the hearings in the 70s uh, where a lot of information was leaked. Um, they destroyed most of the documents and so forth from the programs, but mm -hmm. some of it was left behind. Um, and there was, there was, you know, um, hearings, but nothing was done about it. Mm -hmm. Let's just put it that way. They claimed that it was shut down and, and, you know, some people got slapped on the wrist and that was pretty much it. But the, the ones that were truly behind it, um, the higher level people, nobody got touched. Um, wow. and the programs continued. And the, the sub-projects numbered in the, in the hundreds. Oh, wow. Um, so it, basically what happens is when something is leaked or revealed, um, or they know it's going to be leaked or revealed, they're already changing the name and um, you know, reclassifying mm -hmm. it and taking it off the books. So that's really what happened. Wow. with, you know, the mind control research. And what's interesting, and, um, you know, the people that have read your book or, or have research into this, the the word control is spelled in a very peculiar way with a K. What is the reason, you know, for having a K as opposed to a C? It's, um, it's one of the many obsessions that um, I have that I can't actually explain. Mm, okay. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's something that it's one word that I have to spell with a K. Um, and I suspect, um, I, I can't, you know, this is strictly an opinion on my part. Again, you know, mm -hmm. I'm dealing with a lot of alters, but I suspect that it has something to do with um, the German word control oh. spelled with a K. Oh, wow. But I'm not really sure. Right. That's so, interesting. That's interesting. I've tried. I mean, I can use, the, I can use a C, but... It, when it's my work, I have to go back and, and change it to a K. One of the things that you just mentioned is alters. What are alters? Okay. 
Well, um, part of the the result of trauma-based mind control or even the objective is to create alternate personalities. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, alternate aspects or uh, alter egos or, you know, what we generally think of as mm-hmm. the, the various parts of ourself. I'm talking about full-blown, um, compartmentalized, amnesic other personalities that live within one body. At the end of your book, there is a quite a lengthy list of the alters that, uh, what is the best word to say, they, they live inside you or they, they uh, inhabit your body? How do you see these alters? Um, there are different aspects of my mind, really. Mm-hmm. Um, there uh, or were uh, originally created and designed so separately that I had no knowledge that they existed except mm-hmm. for what I would call bleed through or missing time or the results of, you know, perhaps things on my body that occurred mm-hmm. while they were in control of the body. So there, there are different aspects of my mind that were um, fragmented off and then later programmed to become very particular personalities with certain characteristics and abilities and so forth, but very much segmented. Mm-hmm. So I did have bleed through, uh, but I had no explanation of oh, wow. you know what these other memories were mm-hmm. um, until I began you know actually really waking up, and then once I began deep deprogramming, it became very evident what they were. And, you know, for many people, you may look at some of those altars and think, well, you know, I behave that way mm-hmm. um, or I have those characteristics. But for me, um, they would take over. You know, it would be right. uh, one part of me that would, would run the show until... Mm-hmm you know, the other parts of me uh, came back. We were watching a lecture on online. Uh, it was uh, somebody with, with extensive knowledge on, on mind control. And they were saying that the younger the individual is when they defragment their mind, the stronger it'll take hold. And apparently the ideal time, if I may use the word, to do this is the age of uh, five and under. Is that correct? And if so, what time did your defragmenting uh, and mind control begin? Well, um, first of all, let me qualify with this. And and I wrote the books from this perspective as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You would probably get um, a lot more detail from uh, a programmer. Mm -hmm. I was never designed to be a programmer. So just so you and your audience understand, my perspective is from um, a victim slash survivor who is gaining the information mm-hmm. first and foremost through her own alters, uh, through what I call memory downloads, um, which, you know, went on for years mm-hmm. um, and occasionally still happen. But now it's, it's really more me receiving validation for a lot of the information that came forward, you know, over, over my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so really from my perspective, it's from the experience of partial memories, full memories, Mm-hmm. And then subsequent research, you know, in more recent years. So just having said that, uh, my memory, my first memory um, is preverbal, um, and I am clearly dissociating after, mm-hmm. and I couldn't breathe. Um, and it was uh, something that I know was intentional. So it was 
done and then it was stopped and then it was done and the result you know it was done several times the result was even as an infant mm-hmm. um dissociating kind of drifting off um you know mm-hmm. into another state of of consciousness so my understanding you know i have several memories very very young memories but my understanding now having done the research and and looked around and heard other people's stories as well is that's what I'm told that, um, you know, if you start early enough and continue it ritually, mm-hmm. which is why it's ritual abuse, um, continue consecutively, um, the chances of recovery, meaning, you know, if you stop at five and the mm-hmm. person is left alone, then the child will most likely not turn into multiplicity or they can recover wow. from it. So that's something I had to learn how to do as an adult. Uh, makes sense. <laughs> no, yeah. I actually wanted to ask you about something that, that you mentioned. And, you know, you talk about receiving these downloads and these programs that run inside you. And it sounds like the brain is treated like a computer. Is is, is that pretty much how it is? Yeah, it's, it's a very good um, metaphor for it. It really is um, because the, the programs often I kind of discovered this. A lot of this I just discovered on my own. I didn't have the information when I began the downloads and so forth. I just recorded everything. A friend who had worked, let me just preface this, a friend who had worked with some others like me just said, just record everything, don't censor it. Mm-hmm. You know, write it down, record it however you can. So what happened is I began to see these patterns and I began to name things uh, mm-hmm. because of the, the way it was. For example, loop. I started saying there were these loop programs that would just run and run and run and run. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and they're actually designed that way. Um, you know, it's, it's setting it up in such a way that it is continuously running, particularly um, when I would go into a rest state. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they would just loop over and over. And as I began waking up and deprogramming, I would wake up, basically, or, or it's probably more accurate to say I would come to during the course of it, right in the middle of it, and I would record whatever I saw, if it made sense or not. And over time, I mean, literally hundreds of, of bits and pieces were coming forward that didn't make sense to me, you know, the mm-hmm. front person, and I would record them. And eventually, um, these amazing uh, patterns and, um, you know, it was just, it was incredible what, what was coming forward. And then you know, years later, as I began to put mine all together, I mm-hmm. could kind of compare it to some other stories. And it was amazing that we were all basically, there's a lot of differences in um, individual programming and your programmer is different than somebody else's and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. But basically, there was a lot of baseline uh, similarities across the board. And that's really interesting because this phenomenon is not just happening to you one of the, uh, the the sections early in your book has a title, Childhood Aliens, and in it you describe a, an encounter with a ball of light in Tennessee that apparently this particular region uh, had other total mind control victims as well as uh, alien abductees. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience and about this particular town in Tennessee? Can you tell us where, where it is and why do you well, think there is a concentration of alien abductees and uh, mind control victims there? Well, um, yeah, first of all, uh, qualifying certain regions, what I began to see with this area of Tennessee and other locations was 
um, I was always finding uh, other so-called alien abductees or self-professed uh, mind control victims that mm-hmm. were reporting um, the similar towns or I- even the states. It seemed as though there were certain areas which I'll qualify that now. My opinion on that now is that there's programming centers. Oh, wow. Okay. In these areas. And um, there's been a lot of information, you know, various researchers have come forward and, and named locations where, you know, several people have reported. Mm-hmm. So there's a definite pattern. Um, it doesn't mean that it can't happen in any town, USA or, or elsewhere, but it seemed like as I became more and more lucid that there were other mind control victims and um those claiming to be alien abductees that were reporting from the same zones. So that's kind of what I was getting at. Um, And as far as um, the orb experience in childhood, um, you know, there's, there could be several explanations for that as I've, you know, Frank, as I've gone on now Mm -hmm. and, I'm starting to receive validation. People, you know, I have a nice network of people that we share information and I get a lot of emails and so forth. People that I know mm-hmm. will send me information and it's really interesting because there's the very um, paranormal aspect, but also uh, a lot of information coming out about the technology mm-hmm. right. uh, that's being used, um, you know, for mind control and for a variety of other other uses through the military and intelligence communities. And the orbs show up in both of those areas. So, wow. you know, whether that was um, um, a being of, of light or, or whether that was technology being utilized at that point, mm-hmm. I really can't say. Right. Um, I have a quick question. Um, from, from your own knowledge or belief, um, how widespread is this phenomenon in terms of, you know, does it span across the globe and all countries or is it, is it kind of centralized in the USA? That's a great question. And I'll, you know, respond with, this is my opinion. I don't mm-hmm. have um, uh, any, any documents to back this up, but based on uh, my, my experiences mm-hmm. and some of my travels while I was under mind control, and having handlers in other locations, meaning other countries, mm-hmm. um, as well as subsequent research, it's definitely global. However, I would say that it was um, the stronghold, and I know there's varying opinions on this, but I would say the stronghold, at least at one time, if not still, is the U.S., mm. Um, and that even abroad, what I've noticed when I've um, listened to other victims come forward with their stories, uh, many of them will say there's almost always uh, a military or um, intelligence presence from the U.S. Oh, wow. So they may be in a facility in the U.K., but they'll say something along the lines of, but there was an, there was an American there with an ac- American accent. Oh, wow. Okay. So... I do believe that the U.S. has is funding and is um, a lot of the U.S. bases are also being used. Not that the U.S. is the sole perpetrator by any means. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an allegiance with certain um, other countries' military and intelligence 
um, and elite and corporate, uh, you know, there's a, you know, kind of a, what's the, what's the term, you know, they're helping each other mm-hmm. out at times mm-hmm. yeah. and backing each other. And of course, in my opinion, just to throw this out there, I, I really think the idea of nation is long gone. Uh, mm. National boundary. To me, there's a there's a corporate presence presence, and it's 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 global. Wow. So yeah. behind this, the military, the intelligence, it's all corporate. <laughs> right. Even wow. military yeah. at this point, you know. So it's it's um it it crosses borders. Yes. Let me uh, backtrack just for one quick minute to the issue of UFOs and aliens, because this is what I found really interesting. And if I may preface this, and I apologize for listeners that probably have heard this story a million times, but one of, one of the, the eye-opening moments uh, for me was way back in the early days of the Internet. I came across an article by whom I later would find out and, and have the pleasure of meeting, uh, Ron Patton, titled uh, Demons and Aliens Clothing. And I thought it was it was a, a really interesting article, and it stayed with me for for years uh, until fast forward, geez, over ten years later, I was able to track down the article and the author, and that's how my friendship with Ron began. Uh, in your book, when you talk about alien abductions, there are screen memories that are installed in people. So basically, uh, some people are experiencing what they think are alien abductions, but that's not the case. There is something else going on, and this memory is implanted so that they don't know what actually happened. Can you tell me a little bit about that phenomena? Sure. And, and again, I'll, I'll try to stick from, you know, come from the perspective of my experience. Mm-hmm. I don't want to generalize and say that anyone claiming to have a so-called alien abduction is, is experiencing what I am. Right. But what mm-hmm. I can say is that for... Um, Many, many years in, in youth and then even into adult years while I was still under, now reminding you, I'm still under full programming at that mm-hmm. point, even though things are, you know, throughout my life bleeding through, as I call it. In other words, something doesn't jive. I have a mm-hmm. memory or I have, you know, I wake up in the morning with whatever. Um, and then I have a memory. And often I had memories of these, um, these alien beings, mm-hmm. um, or, uh, going outside and in the middle of the night just getting up in a tr- almost trance like and walking mm-hmm. outside and waiting you know and then having a memory of of later having a memory of these beings um abducting me mm-hmm. um and in my case as i began my deep deprogramming um i began to discover that there were inconsistencies in my so-called alien abduction mm-hmm. um, scenarios. For example, I used to go to to try to get help first off before I began deep. This was before I began deep deprogramming, but mm-hmm. I, I knew something was wrong. I knew at this point that I had these alien memories, but I also had military mm-hmm. uh, memories, being on bases and seeing mm-hmm. men in, in uniform and so forth. So there was this real mix. And back then... This was in the 90s at some point. Um, it was really taboo to go to UFO circles. It's not that way anymore. But right. I, I would try to talk about the military. And so I really couldn't explore that. So I continued to go looking for, you know, um, answers in the UFO community. Mm-hmm. But I began to see these inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
And then I began to see that some of my childhood memories were from a child's mind. Um, it, you know, I didn't have the analytical capacity as, as much as I did as an adult. And so there were these things that showed up. And then I began to, you know, look a little further and I found that other people were reporting uh, this, this crossover between alien and, you know, military or, or what have you, that there mm-hmm. seemed to be this this coexistence and don't get me wrong okay um there are definitely otherworldly beings that is not even a question to me uh but the beings that i deal with are what i would call interdimensional and i would classify more along the lines of malevolent or as people say demonic um so they're they're there's a there's a wide variety of beings, um, and I do believe that the greys fit into this and what people refer to as reptilians and so on and so forth. But I don't see them in the classical sense of mm-hmm. um, of ufology, uh, where I started, you know, uh, looking for answers. What I understand is I've been mind controlled since the beginning. And so these beings are a part of mind control. Wow. Um, I was, you know, utilized in very specific ways through human agencies as well as, you know, being utilized by the entities themselves. So to me, it's it's just a very different perspective based on my life experience. So I can't speak for anyone else's experience, but... Um, I'm leery when someone believes that it's, you know, something traveling from another star system and that's all there is to it. That that right, right there, uh, you know, throws a red flag. I would ask more questions, um, mm-hmm. you know, beyond that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, something that you said is that individuals who are under total mind control, they're not aware that they are possessed by these entities, you know, these, these aliens or demons, as you call them. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. Well, um, I wasn't, even though I was having, um, you know, as I said, childhood, adolescent, teen, adult bleed through. I mean, mm-hmm. There was always episodes where these moments of, as if what I call now my higher self was, you know, kind of stepping in for just a moment. And it was like, wait a minute, you know, right in the middle of something, but then that was gone. So what I would say is, um, boy, it's really hard to, to emphasize this enough, but when you are completely under, meaning when you are being, your programming is running full tilt, you're being handled and reinforced constantly, mm-hmm. um, and there's really nothing else. This is the world you're living in. No, you you're not going to know. Um, you're you're just you know you're you're running. You're running forward, and that's all there is is what what's going on. And if something blips in, you're you know in those moments of of clarity or a lucid moment or a benevolent moment, as I would call it, it's quickly. Um, overridden by um, either your handlers, your programmers, or what's already installed. I mean, I actually had my own alters that would take over to wipe that out. Oh, wow. Um, because for them, their programming mm-hmm. was, that's all they knew. Um, their survival depended on me staying programmed. So 
it's it's really a, a an insidious thing. Um, and then, of course, there's a lot of deception from the entities themselves. Most people, I think, when they think of malevolent entities, um, I, I think it's a natural inclination to think that it's always going to be dark and mean and hard, and they're they're all that. But when they want to be, and even more so, um, they're um, seductive, um, charismatic. Um, yeah, I'm talking about some of the higher level beings. Mm-hmm. They're ex- extremely powerful. Um, I wouldn't say more powerful than the human soul, not by any means, but once you've been bombarded and ritualized for so long, uh, there's a there's a real draw to stay there. It's what you know. Um, so even when those moments arise, there's something or ten something there ready to take over to make sure that doesn't take. Um, would you be able to elaborate for the listeners on, you know, this idea of benevolence and how it ties into your deep, deep programming? Okay. Um, well, throughout Throughout my life, not mm-hmm. a lot of times that I recall consciously, but there were these moments, um, this is where it kind of starts for me, where I was in the, the depth of it, meaning the darkness, the, the life, mm-hmm. the, um, expecting to die any time, but not sure why I felt that way, you know, not, not able to think clearly, but living as though I was going to die any moment and then wanting to. Uh, so throughout that, there were these um, very, very rare but incredibly deep and powerful moments where uh, it's as though body, mind, and soul, for a very brief period, I was filled with what I would call life, mm-hmm. just true, pure life. Um, and then it was gone. It, it, mm-hmm. As though it, it rushed through me and then it had passed which was devastating, <laughs> the passing of it. Yeah. But it was, um, I believe, um, for lack of a better understanding at this time, grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I have a very, very strong spirit, a uh, very strong soul, yeah. human soul. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the relationship was there, but there was something that kept me going. And even yeah. when I began waking up, um, before I began what I call deep deprogramming, I really had nowhere to go, but I kept looking and I just had this really, really strong internal knowing that kept saying, just keep hanging on. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to know what you're talking about. Um, you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. Just hang on. And, you know, I went on for 12, 15 years like that. I mean, consciously knowing that these memories were real, that someone was going to be able to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, eventually I met some people, two men, who did know what I was talking about. They just listened to me for a couple of days, and and that was an extremely pivotal moment. That was in 2008, and when I heard the words, not only do we believe you, but we've worked with people like you, mm-hmm. it was as though the, I mean, the floodgates just, it just all started to burst open. Of course. I was... Yeah kind of safe for the first time. And what I would realize a year later was my altars were starting to feel safe for the first time that somebody was going to listen. Wow. And when I began that process, 
one of the men really stuck with me. It was long distance, but um, he just kept telling me, you know, just just hang on. It's going to change, I promise. And just focus on all goodness. And, you know, I didn't really, I couldn't think. I mean, I really couldn't think. I was being bombarded 24 hours a day. Um, my mem- my own memories, my own alters. It's something they call flooding. And mm-hmm. I would, I, I used the term and I found out later that it actually does happen. Um, I was being flooded with uh, alter memories um, in an attempt to destroy me. Wow. You know, like you can't handle it. If all this stuff, this horrific stuff comes back at once, um, you'll, you'll perish. And I didn't. And I just kept hanging on and I kept asking to understand, you know, what that goodness was. And eventually there came this very, uh, very real, very conscious. I, I can't, mm-hmm. um, express that quite enough. It becomes a conscious daily uh, relationship with this, what I call benevolent, unconditional, creative love. Wow. Um, and it became active. I mean, I actually began to change. I began to feel different. I began to feel stronger. Um, I wasn't, as time went on, I wasn't being assaulted by my own alters or memories, mm-hmm. I began to take authority through what I call this higher self, this beautiful, divine human soul. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that you can have a very conscious relationship with. And I, I mean, I see myself in a way somewhat separate from it still. It's a part of me, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know if this is making sense. Um, I still you know, occasionally have fears or I stumble or I get tired and I get vulnerable. But this part is always, it's always there. It's always there. And it's very conscious for me. So I can turn to it and say, oh, yes, I remember. Mm-hmm. And um, that I believe is, not believe, that I know is why I'm here, why I'm continuing on, um, why I survived. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of people don't survive and I do think that it's not something virtuous for me. There's not a, you know, I'm not better than someone else who didn't survive. Mm -hmm. It's that for whatever reason, um, there's grace, there's, there's spirit strength, but there's grace. There's a lot of grace and there's not a day that goes by that I don't recognize that. Mm-hmm. That, that's really incredible. I know that there's a, a two-part question in the chat. Yeah, well, essentially, um, KP was asking who was controlling you, and I, I presume, you know, certain entities aside, in a physical sense, what corporations, organizations were these? Well, I've um, I've never really, you know, gone out publicly and spoken and, and given names. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I I will I will say this. Not because I'm afraid to, but because um, they've been named <laughs> over yeah. and over and over again. And I don't want to give any more energy to them. Mm. But what I will say in response to um, the person that asked is if you want to go to the blog site, I don't know if you have that posted, but I have numerous collages yeah. and I have several collages in which I have put their faces and their names. Oh, wow. And, okay. and you know, 
plenty of information. Um, and I will name, in general terms, I will name for some people that want to know more the human element. And it's probably a lot of things that you've already heard, but I think you understand a lot of us have sh shared in uh, a lot of the same people, and even when it's not the same people, nothing nothing ever changes. I mean, a lot of them have been named for decades, wow. and mm -hmm. they're still doing what they do. So, um, but in in terms of organizations, institutions, and corporations, um, I can say, of course, CIA, mm -hmm. FBI, DIA, NSA, yeah. um, Navy, Army, Air Force. Wow factions of um, uh, the Some Mormon Church, groups, I Scientology, uh, and then individuals who are uh, what I would call uh, Fortune 500 who have contacts with a lot of these agencies mm -hmm. and through their corporations. Um, so, but if you really want to see some faces, go take a look at the collages. They're there. And uh, actually, for for yeah, our nice. listeners watching through uh, Ustream, we're actually displaying the uh, collages there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, you'll see it changing every Thank every you. ten seconds. <laughs> no problem. No, these are uh, uh, they're quite telling. I mean, they're 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 intriguing. They're, some of these are are quite disturbing uh, by the nature of them and and some of the the words and. And things like that. It was this part of the healing process. Tremendous. I I I can't say this enough for any victims out there. What happened was um, this began in 2009, and I made a request of my alters to come forward and help me uh, to develop these and. Mm -hmm. Uh, over a period of probably five, six months was the first batch, which was, I don't know, 20 or, and I was absolutely stunned. Uh, I was cutting things out that I didn't have any idea what it was for. Mm -hmm. um, I was getting all these free magazines from the library and other sources, and it, I, I can't say enough for how um, therapeutic, but also... Um, what a catalyst it was for me personally, mm -hmm. uh, those of us that were attempting to deprogram, because a lot of my, my alters uh, remained very secretive, um, and I, I promised them if they came forward and helped me make these that I would ask nothing of them, and if I wouldn't have anyone else ask who was who and what did they do, and and it was just an absolute purge of, of information. And in some cases, you know, there were very particular collages where it was me and one altar. And in, in one case, it was a, a kill altar mm. that is very, very dark. And um, I was stunned, you know, when it was done that, that she and I worked together on this. Um, so... Yes, it was it was amazing, and you'll see in the early ones there. Um, they're not quite in order. A friend of mine helped me post them up, and mm -hmm. um, a lot of the the first ones there are from a lot of child altars. Okay. And uh, it was incredibly healing. And I have them in a big scrapbook, in two big scrapbooks. And mm -hmm. about every six months, I pull it out and slowly go through it and for the, I'd say for at least three years, there's always something that I find that now I understand that wow. I didn't understand, you know, prior. Mm -hmm. So 
I highly recommend it at, at a certain point in, in deprogramming that everyone engage in that process and invite your, your own alters to participate. It's, it's extremely telling and it's very, very healing in that, you know, what you understand you can work with, what you don't know or don't understand, which this goes for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, there's really not much you can do about it, which is why we're all doing what we're doing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, just a quick note, um, for anyone not in Ustream where I did post the website address, um, for anyone else listening, it's our life beyond mkultra.wordpress.com. Elisa, before we, we take our, our top of the hour break, I wanted to ask you about something that you mentioned in your book, and it's another topic that fascinates me, and, and we've explored it at length here in past shows, and that's, uh, you mentioned in your book the pineal gland and how it can be accessed through the, the nasal cavity, and it, it, it seems like this gland, it's almost like a, a, it blurs the line between reality and alternate reality of some sort. Can you tell me a little bit about how the, the pineal gland plays into the mind control uh, ritual as you experienced it? Okay. Um, and again, from just strictly from my experience of it, I do have a memory um, as adolescent of, and this was in a so-called alien abduction, where you know they went up the nos- way up the nostril and it was painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, at the time, I didn't, you know, as a child, I didn't know why that was happening. It wouldn't be till many, many years later. But in addition to that, I really want to talk about um, the trauma um, and its relation to what you're talking about is the extreme trauma. Bottom line, you know, we could even move beyond trauma. We're talking torture mm-hmm. um, in a variety of ways, near-death experiences, um, a lot of you know a lot of different ways to to bring that about mm-hmm. but it's my opinion that they're not necessarily doing that to create fantasy to program me with mm-hmm. it's my devout opinion based on my use and even things that I can still um, experience in in this state of consciousness uh, that they were attempting to access the ability in me to interact not only with these beings from these other dimensions mm-hmm. or if that's what they're even called dimensions I'm just using a word that I'm familiar with but in other words alternate realities and that they wanted my actual programmers and um, handlers and controllers wanted access mm-hmm. to this and that that is why Wow. I was designed right from the get-go. And I don't believe by any means that I'm the only one that mm-hmm. was being utilized in that way. I think that the trauma is a, a big part of it anyway, is to push, and that plays into the pineal. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not an expert. I just know that that's the case. Um, it, it plays into the ability to enhance all your senses and to access those that we don't normally access in our everyday consciousness. Before we go, I got one more question before we, we take our break. And this was also in your book, and it's something that it reminded me a little bit. I don't know if, you, if you've heard of, of the case of, interestingly enough, Elisa, but this is Elisa Lam. It was a young Canadian yeah. student that, that, yeah, that she was found um, dead in a water tank here in a, in a hotel in L.A., in downtown L.A. In your book, uh, you mentioned that you have this recurring body memory 
of drowning, including uh, being in a tank of water with a man above you telling you to stop holding your breath. And this is, I mean, I get chills just reading this because the Elisa Lam case, you know, I'm still intrigued by it as, as many people are. And reading this, I couldn't help but think that there were some eerie parallels there. I'm not trying to say that this is what happened to Elisa Lam, but is right. this part of what you're talking about, these near-death experiences being used to control you? Uh, yeah, yeah, in a way. And actually in the case of um, the water, it's, I for me, in my personal experience, it was, um, I think there was another agenda going on also, mm. uh, which I talk about in book one. And um, uh, that's more, how do I say it? Um, I think they were using it as trauma, but in those memories, mm -hmm. I was in training. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, and now, just, just to, it's something that I write. I, you know, I write about. It. I know you, you said you read, and it sounds insane. It sounds like it's something that you know can't be. But I've never doubted that, um, you know, what my altar showed me, mm -hmm. which is a young altar, uh, was capable of doing. But I couldn't explain how. And I just want to say that. Just within the last couple of weeks, a friend of mine sent me an email. Um, she she stays up on the technology mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. just breaking, and um, they're you know science and tech that they're bringing out articles where they say you know and we've just discovered something and in the next 10, 20 years you know you're going to be able to do this. Well, there's things coming out that regard. Um, the ability to draw water in into you and receive oxygen. Mm. And so the tank for me um, was that. I'm very oh, wow. clear that the, the tank when I was younger and then there was another episode when I was in my teens in a much, much larger pool, which I, I suspect was a Navy facility. Mm -hmm. So oh, wow. um, I could never explain it. But again, you know, the underground tech that I was being um, trained with is, I mean, any any decent researcher would tell you probably a good minimum 50 years ahead Wow. Um, on black, black budget. So mm -hmm. there's information coming out now that's, you know, to me, validating what my altar was saying she was doing. Um, wow. You know, but couldn't explain how we could do that without um, the proper gear, as most people would think. Right. It, so, um, let me ask you one quick question before we go to break. This one's from the chat room. It's also from KP. He wants to know at what point did you discover that you were a victim of uh, MK Ultra? And I think um, it was also phrased slightly different later. Uh, he's trying to get at, um, you know, at what point did he first become aware that something was actually wrong, different? Well, that was. Uh, a very long time ago. As I said, I had bleed through that there was something wrong. As far as um, understanding that I was a victim of mind control, and again, the MK Ultra wasn't a word I knew until well into deep deprogramming. Mm -hmm. um, but knowing that this is this is the way it was described, uh, and I believe you read this in the book by one of my alters. Mm -hmm. um, I was on a, a military base. I was going through electric shocks. I was strapped to a table. There were men in uniforms around me. Um, it was a horrible night. Um, I was mm -hmm. 18. And oh, wow. at that point, I described it. The, 
I would describe it without knowing anything about mind control. I said they were going in my head and they were putting things in my mind and taking things out. And I couldn't understand why. You know, again, the compartmentalization, mm-hmm. the music alters. There were different parts of me holding different episodes. Mm-hmm. So as I continued on in life and the memories crept into my everyday consciousness of um, military bases and military men and, mm-hmm. you know, these awful things happening, I knew that someone was messing with my head, but I didn't know why. And I didn't really know what to call it, you wow. know, at first. So mm-hmm. that, you know, it's really hard to, to pin it down, but I would say that my significant waking up began in my early to mid thirties, okay. but it would be 46 before I actually got help. Wow. Wow. We're just literally scratching the surface uh, and we're reading some of the comments in the chat room. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely a heavy topic. Elisa, would you be so kind to just hang on the line just for a few minutes while we uh, take care of some business here? And then we'll come back and, and continue diving deeper in, into some of these experiences. Absolutely. Awesome. Sure. And uh, don't go away, guys. Like I said, you know, we're just scratching the surface here. I know there's a, a few questions in the chat room that we need to get to. We're going to get to them. Once we come back from the break, here we like to, uh, you know, support indie artists and new artists, up and coming artists. And this week we actually uh, found a really talented young man, 17 years old, I believe, from right mm-hmm. here in L.A., an amazing, amazing uh, rapper and MC. Uh, his music is like a throwback to the old good hip hop that, uh, you know, a lot of us grew up listening to and enjoy. And uh, he goes by the name of Afro. Go check him out on YouTube. Uh, look up his album. You can download his album for free right now. So give this a listen. If you dig it, go support him. Go check it out. Download it. Enjoy it. And we're going to be right back. This is West of the Rockies. I'm here. Genevieve is here. And our guest tonight is Elisa E., who wrote about her experiences in two books entitled Our Life Beyond MK Ultra, book one and book two. Don't go too far enjoy the tunes because we're going to be right back and uh, it's going to get crazy so enjoy here we go What's up, guys? This is Jorge Diaz of Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. And you're listening to West of the Rockies with Frank. This portion of the show is sponsored by Haunted Orange County, your premier source for all things haunted in and around OC. From haunted history ghost walks to ghost group hunting expeditions at some of SoCal's most haunted destinations. Make your fall plans early and book an upcoming tour or investigation today. Visit hauntedoc.com. Back to the second hour, West of the Rocky Sound, Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late, but it's it's so far it's a really really fascinating show. Um, as always, I'm Engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at WOTR Radio and check out the website WOTRRadio.com where we have a ton of cool stuff, including this interview. Will be up there if you missed the, any part of the beginning. Do not fret; we will have that up there. 
for your listening enjoyment. As always, I'm joined by Genevieve. You can find her on Twitter mm -hmm. at Genevieve Way. And uh, right here every Thursday night at 9 p.m. hosting her very own show. No out of flavors, uh, music, facts, requests, jokes, and a whole lot of fun. Definitely check it out. Check your local listings. I don't know. I just felt like saying that. <laughs> Our guest tonight is Elisa E., who has authored two books titled Our Life Beyond MK Ultra, Book One and Book Two. And you can check out her website, Our Life Beyond MKUltra.wordpress.com. So that's all together Our Life Beyond MKUltra.wordpress.com. And I'm going to bring Elisa back into the conversation. Elisa, can you hear us okay? I can. Hi, Frank. Awesome. And there was a question in the chat by uh, Professor Madness. He uh, wanted to know what kind of music do you listen to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> well, that's transformed a lot over the last few years. I bet. Um, I had a lot of. Yeah, I had a lot of um, music that I was programmed with mm. or, and or to, and then I found that a lot of the music out uh, seemed to reinforce programming that was already in, so now I basically listen to a lot of nature sounds and, oh, wow. um, yeah, really most of it's just very peaceful instrumental. That's, it makes, that's nice. That's nice. Uh, one of the things that I, I remember reading on, in your book, speaking of music, was a memory that apparently took place in England. The song Band on the Run by Paul McCartney came on the radio, and I believe it was you that started singing it with different lyrics. Can you tell me a little bit about that episode? Yeah, it's a, it's a partial memory from one of my altars. Um, uh from what I could tell, and the sense of it was that I was in the UK somewhere, um, that I was in a city, but maybe perhaps on the outskirts. It was some kind of very manicured park. And the reason I knew I was in that part of the world was um, one of the ways I knew was that the uh, steering wheel was on the right-hand side mm -hmm. of the car. I was on, sitting on the left in the passenger seat, and it was a man behind the wheel. We were parked. And I got the impression that it it, it was a very um, planned episode. So mm. whether it was coming on the radio or he had a tape, I don't know. Um, but it was Paul McCartney's band on the run. And in a very, um, very monotone, very emotionless fashion, my altar began singing um, part of the chorus and um, the part band on the run. It became rent on the run mm -hmm. for me over and over, and he was saying it with me. It was like we were following the song, but we weren't really singing, and mm -hmm. we were reinforcing it over and over. And the part of that that I understood was that I've lived a life of moving constantly, mm -hmm. um, never having a home base, kind of keeping on the low, uh, you know, working um, under the table when I can, and so on and so forth. So... Mm -hmm. um, it was part of my programming to keep me unattached. Um, I have a quick question. I realize um, I should have asked this earlier, but for um, anyone who hasn't read your books, um, explain why it's called Our Life um, after MK Ultra or Beyond. Oh, sorry. sure. Because there's a lot of us that, that have lived in this body. Um, and the way I see it is that, you know, when an altar presents a memory to me, mm -hmm. um, it, we shared the body, but it's truly her experience. I have, you know, until the, the memory is shown to me and I do wind up, uh, feeling it, reliving it mm -hmm. with that altar. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it's at that moment that it becomes part of my life. So it was really her life experience mm-hmm. um, until it becomes our life experience. And there's a lot of us. So um, I never felt like an I. I've always mm-hmm. felt like a we. Um, and so I call it our our mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a couple yeah. of questions which appeared in the chat um, before the break. The first one, I've rephrased it a bit. It's uh, related to a query in a chat by PM. Um, to what extent was family involved? You know, you, you talk about essentially having memories since a, a baby. What does this make your family? And, you know, what's happening there? Okay. Uh, well, my whole family's involved um, in, as victims first and in some cases as perpetrators. Um, I want to clarify mm-hmm. for myself and anyone else out there, you don't, you don't become a perpetrator without becoming a victim first. Um, so in other words, not every victim winds up as a perpetrator, but you can't have a perpetrator really without being victimized by someone somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. So I see my family as victims um, that probably aren't going to get out the way I have, but the work I do... Um, will hopefully have some resonant effect. I broke contact with them in um, the summer of 2000, I don't know, I guess it was closer closer to the winter of 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, when I began waking up, we were states apart, but I was still in contact. And um, interestingly, I began getting phone calls from certain members of my family mm-hmm. and they were saying things that uh, they had never, to my conscious mind, said mm-hmm. before, yeah. using alter names. Um, I don't believe they knew what they were doing. No, I honestly no. don't. I believe that their own programming was kicking in, and there was a real push to get me to come back to the state they were living in. And mm-hmm. it was it was really difficult decision. Um, it took me many months. You know, I thought about it really, really deeply. Um, I feel pangs from it still seven years now um but i i broke contact in a very loving way um just told them that i was going to get some help and it would be a while when i knew i probably wouldn't be in contact again and i Mm -hmm. haven't been so Mm -hmm. as much as i'm sure to their front altar consciousness (laughs) Mm -hmm. um you know they wonder what's the problem and they're probably angry or disown me by now but there's, um, they weren't coming out with me. Yeah, yeah. I gave it many, many years of trying to get them to talk about what was happening in our family. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was either I go down with the ship or I do something and hopefully that will have, and I do, I really believe that there's um, a legacy effect. Mm-hmm. That if okay. I can break some of the ties, that there's a chance that the future generations may not have to, because mm-hmm. we are a multi-generational. Yeah family of this there's no doubt about that so i hope that answers your your question no definitely i mean in that case how far back does this go and how widespread in your family you know is it is it just your parents is it beyond that is it cousins as well etc i i believe it goes it goes back a long way i believe um very much in the uh, the bloodlines uh generational bloodlines and i i believe that um i actually believe my parents were brought together um, for this reason, whether that's on a, you know, I'm thinking more on a um, entity level, mm-hmm. um, 
and then you know the the agencies take over at that point but mm-hmm. um generationally on an entity level I think it goes back a really long way and when you have a family where even if it's just one member like me who's used it you know as I refer to in the book at high level and what I mean by that is that apparently due to the various agencies and institutions I was at working at a high level so there was a very concerted effort to design me and when you have that there's so much programming and there's so many controls that you cannot reside in a family mm-hmm. that isn't completely controlled. And my father was, you know, one of my first programmers. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, I, I do know there was incest with at least one brother and I suspect both. I know that my mother on some level was cognizant she was always trying to protect herself from you know any truth that might come out but mm-hmm. I really look at them all as as victims yeah I mean mm-hmm. I had to be dri- you know driven places and taken places and when I came back all messed up I had to be taken care of so I believe that most of the members of my immediate family are multiples as well and in some cases I know some of their alters I've seen them in you know full consciousness in my deprogramming so um, yeah, it, it, when you're talking at this level, the, the whole family, the immediate family, you know, living in the same house has to be involved, mm-hmm. whether they're aware of it or not. Yeah. Um, you talk about um, union, specifically entity union. What What is meant by this? Could you describe how, you know, perhaps your own yeah. experiences or ideas about it? Yes. Um my my uh, experience tells me this, that you could apply all the programming, meaning the, you know, they could take you to facilities and they could torture you and they could work you over and they could do all kinds of things to you and mm-hmm. program the bejeebies out of you. But without the entities, it wouldn't last. It's not that mm-hmm. it wouldn't have an effect. But in my experience, it wouldn't hold and it wouldn't run and you wouldn't be a lifelong uh, subject. So there's the there's the the very earthly, you know, four walls and a door and machinery and and agencies. But there's a malevolent, um, very malevolent, significant uh, part to this. Um, that's why I use the term esoteric tech. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's black magic combined with a very hardcore earthly science. Yeah. Um, but this is this is old 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 stuff. This is the stuff that you know initiates were put through. Yeah. Um, you know over over the, the eons probably. So it it has a long long history, which is why there's such a strong, in my opinion, such a strong bloodline. Um, and to answer your question, I'm starting to, I could feel myself, you know, running down a divergent there, but to get back to the union, um, Mm -hmm. in my case, I have very clear memories both years ago, um, you know, while I was being programmed and also attempts to, uh, reinforce this or regain this in deep deep programming Mm -hmm. with very particular entities that were um, were basically running me um, Mm -hmm. through my you know physical whether you call it CIA or military Mm -hmm. handlers but 
these entities were uh, a significant part of, of my life, all of my life. And in one case, um, at 18, I believe it was, it was in my teens, and I believe it was 18 that I was um, unioned with uh, an entity. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that, um, without going into the, the description, which I go into great detail in the book, mm-hmm. um, but what basically what happened was what I would call at that point a full possession. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's varying degrees. In my opinion, most people walking around have entities affecting them mm-hmm. day in, day out. They have no idea. Um, that's not a possession. It's It's, you know more of they're on the exterior, they may gain entry, uh, they may be in and out, um, but a full-on possession is, um, you know, they're they're running the show for at least part of, of you know, several of the altars or mm-hmm. one of the altars. Um, I often found that if it was a very strong, high-level entity, they may be running a group of altars. Yeah. That was the mm-hmm. case with me. You know, mm-hmm. um, you may have a particular entity that's running your kill altars. Mm-hmm. You may have another very high-level entity, female entity in my case, who I also know was running a lot of the sex altars. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, but again, it and, can and vary. And that Lilith, um, I believe? Or? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lilith. Okay. Yeah. Lilith, I refer to them as Lilith and Cain. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that they can't go by other names. I believe they do have other names in other uh, periods of human history, mm-hmm. but for me, um, I know of my two main high-level altars were Lilith and Cain. Uh, in in that case, um, you know, are these entities, um, you know, are they like demons in the Judeo-Christian sense? Is that just um, an interpretive way of labeling them? Uh, you know, or what type right, of right. things are they? Well, I mean, I I, I live in a Judeo-Christian society, or or I have, I grew mm-hmm. up in, you know, I wasn't in a religious family by any means, um, but it's my point of reference. Yeah. Um, and that's why I say, if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to call Lilith Isis, that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I could give her a lot of names. <laughs> right. And the same with Cain, you know, there's other names, it depends what period you're talking about. But um, for me, those names kind of came early on, and it, it that's how I know them. And especially since one of my main um, altars associated with both of them is named Lily. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I take that from the Lilith. That's probably where Lily got her name. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so there could be other names, and it is a, a point of reference. Okay. okay. Really. Um, another question um, by the same person, Prof Madness, in the chat. Was there any drug-induced programming? Um, if yes, how does this occur? Uh, oh, yeah. A lot, of, um, a lot of drugs were used. I don't know all mm-hmm. of what was used. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the way I know that drugs were used was either seeing them and or being in a, uh, you know, in the memory download, being literally in the drug stupor. Mm-hmm. Um, in several cases, trying to, in the altar as I'm I'm coming to, trying to get through the fog of being drugged, mm-hmm. uh, the effect, um, both mentally, physically, uh, affecting my vision. Um, and then, again, these were in actual programming sessions. I do not recall in the one I'm thinking of. I don't know how it was um 
put into my body, whether it was injected or something. You know, I really don't have that part of the memory. I come to well into the memory. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in other cases, uh, in what appear to be some kind of uh, ritual setting, uh, also being drugged. Wow. You know, a few minutes ago we were talking about Paul McCartney and, and music and uh, I've heard a lot of talk about the entertainment industry as you know, as there being a lot of uh, people who are under mind control. Uh, in your book, you talk about some uh, fragments of memories where you saw somebody that looked like the actor Danny Glover or Christian Bale. And you also talk about using Batman as a method of programming and mind control. Tell us a little bit how TV, movies, music are used in these mind control rituals. Well, um... Personally, I think that pretty much aside from, you know, a few low-level people breaking into the industry, mm-hmm. that the entire industry is, is, is mind control. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most powerful methods of delivery, right. uh, visually and through sound. And I really believe that it, if it wasn't begun that way, that it was co-opted very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, to control the masses. Mm -hmm. And as far as on an individual, you know, I I, I think that's pretty, I I think that's pretty elementary at this point. And, um, you know, I mean, we all, there's tons of stories to support that. But I think it's far more insidious than, than most people realize. And I think in this day and age, it's downright dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Streaming uh, can be, you know, there's a lot of stuff that can come Mm -hmm. through. Mm-hmm. And the technology is there to pump it through. Uh, and I mean, there's patents out and you can go talk to Ron Patton. <laughs> right. He'll give you a list of them. He, he's done that. You know, he's, he's actually listed a lot of them. I know Ron. And I mean, these things are very real. It's, it's happening. And in the patents, they'll tell you what it is that can do to you. And, um, so the industry is loaded with it. Um, and, and you're seeing, a lot of stuff is breaking into the news and yeah. with a variety of actors and musicians and, uh, you know, broadcasters both mm-hmm. here and abroad that were, you know, all this time were either abusers or victims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're coming forward. And for me, um, I want to clarify with, if for anybody who doesn't read the book, that the Danny Glover ex- episode was actually uh, someone that I was made to believe was him and we were in a programming scenario mm-hmm. um a training scenario and a, a program session and it it wasn't actually the actor but i was being programmed to him yeah. as part of what i believe a team um and that you know when that first came forward for me i why on earth you know would anyone be programming me mm-hmm. Danny Glover, and I would find out with just a very small amount of research that he was was and is quite the activist. Oh wow! Um, extremely so, and mm-hmm. he comes from a family of hardcore activism. And it, ironically, it turns out he was a real Danny Glover was a real thorn in the side of the Bush family. Oh wow! So when I look at my history and connections, mm-hmm. uh, it made perfect sense. Wow. That um, there was a plan set. I don't something that never took place, obviously. Mm-hmm. And of course, Danny Glover had um, at one time, not that long ago, um, was very supportive of of Chavez. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Hugo Chavez. So right. mm-hmm. as I researched, it, you know, there were real strong possibilities of why that was happening. As mm-hmm. far as Christian Bale goes, I don't know if um, he was actually present. I absolutely, my altar absolutely believes it was him. And this was some years ago. Um, when we were both younger, um, and I was programmed to him in a fashion that suggested um, a very deep sexual romantic. Um, and subsequently, I would go to, as an adult, I would go to every film that he produced or was starring in. Um, and the Batman theme mm-hmm. for me started back in childhood and continued with the Dark Knight series, and there was some really serious uh, programming with that. And I want to say that my programming with that was revealed long before um, the shooting took place right. with uh, James Holmes. Mm-hmm. And I had documented it and shared it with others so that when that story broke, um, I wasn't the least bit surprised, you know, that it was being used. I was going to ask you about that, actually, and I'm glad you you brought it up because, yeah, I, I obviously we're all familiar with James Holmes and what happened at, at one of the uh, theaters where, where this movie was being played. Genevieve? No, I just um, had a related question. The question in chat specifically was, um, you know, whether you've seen the BBC America show called... Uh, Orphan Black. And my broader question is, how do movies and TV tie in in terms of watching them? And and do you still watch things like that? I do, uh, with full awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very, it's more like a research for me, um, because there's a lot coming out in mm-hmm. Hollywood and has been for a long time. And yes, I am familiar with Orphan Black. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does pertain to my particular story. Um, it was a very difficult uh, program to watch, as mm-hmm. have been several. Um, I've had to really temper over the years certain things that I watch. But I, I see these programs in several different ways. Um, they're a revelation mm-hmm. of information to an unwitting public. Mm-hmm. They're an indoctrination system so that, for example, Orphan Black involves cloning. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody who comes forward to speak about cloning will be more likely dismissed yeah. as fantasy. Um, but also at the same time, they're revealing and indoctrinating everyone um, so that you're becoming, uh, you're getting the information, but you're getting it in a way that you don't have to take it as truth. Mm-hmm. And so they're desensitizing you to any truth that could, you know, be revealed by people who are actually having um, experiences like myself and you know many other victims. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's a very very powerful medium, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Wow. It, it's one of the scariest ones out there, quite honestly. But it's a really great way to see um, if you're not an insider, you'll see where the agenda is going if you if you follow some of the the newer stuff. Um, no, it's funny because just a, a few uh, a few days ago we watched a movie called uh, American Ultra, 
which yeah. we really didn't know exactly what it, we watched it because we it's like it well a it's a comedy. new movie yeah, and we're gonna watch it and all of a sudden this movie turns into a very you know and i think we had already this the the interview with you booked and i just thought that the the timing was, it was a bit eerie because we we didn't read <laughs> yeah. the synopsis you know we we just we just watched yeah, it yeah. and we were surprised at the yeah. content and you know how it relates do you yeah. think that the studios and and some of these executives actors are they in on it or do you think there might be unwilling pawns in all of this what's your take with just the entertainment well, industry yeah yeah no there's definitely some high level uh, i could name some of them who are mm -hmm. very witting mm -hmm. but truthfully across the board whether it's the entertainment industry or it's corporate america mm -hmm. or it's military america or it's religions or intelligence agencies or, you know, across the board, most people who are working for them have no idea mm -hmm. they're really working for them. Right. And there's several reasons why. Lack of information. But, you know, one of the other main reasons is um, ego. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people don't want to have that crushing sensation of their foundation falling out from under them. Mm -hmm. It's not a pleasant experience. And the ego will rationalize and justify a lot of things right. um, to prevent that from happening. So, you know, people will say to me, well, um, you know, how do I find out about mm -hmm. this kind of stuff? Well, it, the internet is littered with information now. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely everywhere, but you do need to know key phrases mm -hmm. to get in there and, and start accessing the information. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do think that there are, I know, I just know I can, I can tell certain, there's certain people when I see they come out with something, I, I will go watch it because I know they're an insider. Right. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, and it just, it's just informative in the sense that it helps with my history. It helps me know where they are with things because of what they're trying to bring to the public. Right. Like American Ultra. Right, right. What American Ultra did was um, turn it into a, you know, I actually did a review of, or, or assisted someone in a review of oh, that wow. movie for Ron's Magazine. Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine, Ilana Freeland, um, nice. did it, and I gave my bit. And, and really what I sum it up as is for people who have never heard of MKUltra, mm -hmm. they'll go to that movie. And this is, this is the way that the, the general populace works, is that will be the only information they have right. on MKUltra. That'll be sufficient to them. It will be, well, yeah, I kind of know, you know, I saw this mm -hmm. movie and yeah. And how many people will actually look to see, you know, what it really is about and what's really happened mm -hmm. and what is continuing to happen. So to me, American Ultra is a fabulous metaphor for how the industry programs right. the populace. In your book, and I honestly I highly recommend people grab this book. Uh, you can get it on Kindle. You can get a physical copy. If you go to Amazon, we'll be posting the links, and you can also find the links on, on Elisa's website, ourlifebeyondmkultra.wordpress.com. 
and she goes into great great detail but i wanted to ask you about something that was really interesting in, in your book you you know talking about tv shows you mentioned watching the first episode of a tv show that, that dealt with yeah. this type of stuff and that you couldn't watch it for more than you know 15 minutes before there were triggers and things that were resonating with you yeah. and your alters and that just got me thinking because you mentioned that in your early 20s you know you began to show signs of what you call program breakdown and you began to do a lot of self-harming alcohol and drug abuse and things of that nature and i just started thinking is it possible that these tv shows and these movies kids watch this stuff and by kids you know i mean like teens late teens early 20s and they exhibit some of the same symptoms like suicide attempts depression you know anxiety anorexia and all of these things do you see any type of a correlation between the program not necessarily mind control programming but television programming and, and movies etc having a direct impact on kids uh, maybe are they being programmed are we being programmed and we just don't know it when we watch certain tv shows movies etc absolutely um as a friend says you know they call it programming for a reason mm. i mean they tell us it's programming mm -hmm. here's the programming um it, it is and um, again, getting back to, uh, again, thinking in terms of the black-on-black -black technology, I'm talking about the way underground, mm -hmm. is, it, let's say, let's take the conservative view that it's only 50 years ahead. Mm. We're talking about them sending things, and the patents do exist, some mm -hmm. of the patents exist, you can find them sending things through. They can send it through the physical television. They can send it on streaming. It's really big. Mm -hmm. um, so not only is it content, we're talking about what else is being sent through, what what frequencies, right. what, um, you know, so it's a combination. And I, and I want to just kind of quickly mention this, that, you know, I consider myself an old model, um, mm. and I was born in the early 60s um, and throughout the years I saw upgrades in other words as technology became available mm -hmm. it, you know something in me was enhanced or programming changed but nowadays <clears throat> I, I first of all I don't think trauma-based mind control will ever completely go away because there's just a lot of sadistic um, entities running a lot of sadistic people mm in these families and they're always, they, they get off on it. Right, um, right. So it's always going to be around, but nowadays they don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. It's all done remotely. I mean, all of it. So they can pick someone that's already in their twenties. They don't have to mess with. Mm -hmm. There's, there's hardly any expense, time, energy. The investment is minimal. So everybody becomes expendable. Wow. You spend a, what, a few months, reaching out, you find the right brainwave that you, you know, tendencies, you lock on to someone, you work them over for a few months, and forgive me, but you've got a James Holmes. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you're done, you wash your hands of it. There's yeah. no, there's no paper trail, there's mm -hmm. no nothing. And this is being done on a, a, a frightening scale. Um, all you have to do is watch the newscast, any right. news, it's every day. Yeah. Every day across the globe. Um, so to me, uh, it's it's transitioned into something that's even more horrific because it's it's so fast, 
compared to what, you know, someone like me costs them, it's inexpensive Mm -hmm. and everybody becomes a potential victim and everybody becomes expendable. Wow. Mm -hmm. Your story is so uh, strange and it's so scary, all the experiences you had to go through. But in the midst of that, you had also a lot of brushes with some really strange paranormal experiences, one in particular that I wanted to ask you about, because there's a series of books uh, written by a former uh, police officer named uh, David Politis, and he writes these books dealing with mysterious disappearances, you know, people that disappear without a trace, and they're either not seen again, or they find them in strange locations weeks, months, sometimes even years later. And you experience a type of a disappearance. When I was reading your book, you talk about visiting the Andrew Jackson plantation with your mom, I believe, and you disappeared. And what I want to make sure that people understand is that I'm not talking that, you know, you just somebody lost sight of you for a few minutes. You say that you physically disappeared. Can you tell me about that, please? Well, from my perspective, it was uh, very paranormal, uh, but the whole the whole the events leading up to it were were very strange, both for my mother and for myself. There, we were actually on a a vacation, if you can mm-hmm. call it that. Mm-hmm. Of course, this was when I was still under full programming, and as was she. And there was a lot of strange things that happened. We were up in again the Tennessee, North Carolina area. Mm-hmm. We were revisiting old places and um, we had a plane to catch and we had a few hours and we went back to the Andrew Jackson plantation. We had gone there when I was younger several times from what I recall. And um, so we went through this series of, of, you know, walking, you walk the grounds and they, it's a self-guided tour. They give you the headsets. My -hmm. headset didn't work. Mm. So everybody else had headphones on and I just, shut mine off and, and, you know, walked along. But everybody was at their own pace. Right. And basically, without going into all the details, because that would take so long, mm-hmm. um, we were standing in the house waiting to, there was a little bit of a line to get down the hallway. And I felt uh, my visual field was closing in. Um, and I felt this change happening to me. Um, and I thought I was going to faint. Now, I didn't have a history of fainting, mm-hmm. but i that was the sensation. And I didn't even really have time to explain to her, but i the way I looked, she could tell something was wrong. And I said, I got to go. And I headed for the door. And when I, this is the way it felt, I felt I burst through the front door. There was a uh, an attendant there all dressed in period garb and they opened the mm-hmm. door. And as I exited the house, Everything changed for me. I mean, everything looked the same, but I knew something had happened, and um, I wasn't in the same frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, everything became hyper uh, sensitive. In other words, the sounds, the clarity of my visual, everything became enhanced. And this is common in in programming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you switch alters and so forth. Um, or when you have these other uh, parallel, for me, parallel time, that's the way it becomes. Everything's, it's very calm and actually very peaceful, but it's, it's difficult to explain, but everything's um, super sensitive. Um, mm-hmm. And I turned around and, and looked at the, uh, the, the big house, and 
I knew something was completely different, but I was still there in this, this time, you know, in that year. Mm -hmm. Um, but I began to notice that, um, not only did I feel different, but there were people coming up the walkway, you know, slowly trickling up the walkway to go into the house. And I began to notice that no one was, was paying attention to me. And I mean, not at all. Uh So if you stand in one place long enough and people are filing by you, somebody is going to look at you. Someone's going to glance and look away. Nothing. There was nothing. And I began to realize that for whatever reason that I couldn't explain, Mm -hmm. they couldn't see me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, And then it would be approximately 10 years later, um, completely unsolicited. And this was when I was waking up mm-hmm. that I was in um, a location in New Mexico where I worked and there was a, I was at a business and I was sitting out front the place that I worked and the business caddy corner across the street. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a woman that worked there that I was somewhat friends with, but she knew nothing about my history or what was happening to me. Right. And yeah. she would tell me one day that she was watching me sitting there very still and she said I was vibrating and then I was gone. Yeah. No, that is so strange. Yeah. And then, you know, the next moment I was there in the exact position Mm -hmm. and, um, I, I mean, she told me this completely unsolicited one day, you know, Mm -hmm. somewhere down the road and she said she was reluctant, you know, to discuss it with me. Now I can't explain this, other than, um, again, kind of like with the breathing underwater that sounds so crazy, but now there's coming out with, you know, actual science and technology that's going to mm-hmm. offer that option to people, mm-hmm. claiming that they're going to offer that in the future. Um, you know, they're coming out with a lot of cloaking technologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is being revealed on the Internet yeah. um, that, you know, this is already up and running. So... Is it is it a paranormal thing or is it you know uh, esoteric tech that was going off for some reason? Was there something else happening? And perhaps there was this was a continuation of of some aspect of you know my mind control. Well, reading your book, I I was quite uh, overwhelmed, and you know this is me just reading it. I can't even begin to imagine having to to live through a fraction of this. We're almost out of time, Elisa, but I, if really quick, you can, because I found this interesting because I've heard it from somebody else before when we were talking about some of the entities that, that people encounter through astral travel or the use of certain psychedelic and things of that nature. But in your book, you mention uh, an instance wherein you were at a store and one of the, the young ladies uh, behind the counter, I can't remember if she was the one bagging the your purchases, but you mentioned that she was dressed up for Halloween and there was something about the way she looked that it reminded you of some of the entities that you were familiar with. And later you realized that she was dressed up as the the Sith uh, Lord, I think it's called, from the, yeah. one of the recent Star Wars movies. Can you tell me uh, yeah. just briefly about that? Well, you know, I, I uh, that was a really, really horrible night before, and I was still very in very bad shape mm. um, that day. I was very ill and very dissociated. Um, so I was switching in and out of altars. And so when I, by the time I got to the store, I was in extreme dissociation, which for me is I feel completely detached from anything going on around me as if I'm in a foreign land. 
Um, wow. I'm living in, you know, a whole different consciousness. And so I went to the store because I was ill to pick up some herbs to try to alleviate some of my symptoms. And I'm standing there yeah, and it was, mm-hmm. I guess it was Halloween. It was, I, I didn't even remember that day. And I, I saw her and I just began to cry. I mean, weep, you know, not yeah. sobbing, but, um, as if this person has no idea mm-hmm. <laughs> what she dressed up as, right. you know, for her, it's just some Halloween costume. Right, for right. me, it's, it's real. It's a whole other existence and it's running mm-hmm. this world, you know, um, that, so all that emotion, you know, I had just been through a really horrific night and it, there I was looking at, you know, this person imitating, mm-hmm. innocently yeah. imitating, um, you know, something that's, that's real. So the Sith did, um, costume reminds me of the darkness. I was going to say, if I want to think with the evil villain brain of mine, it would almost seem like it's done on purpose, right? That these pop culture characters become big, people dress up as them, and for all we know, it's just part of the plan to help trigger somebody that's under mind control or have somebody have some kind of reaction, you know? It it just is really terrifying. It reinforces the programming, you know, it reinforces the trauma, it reinforces, and believe me, they're not always look like that. They can look beautiful. Right. I mean, like movie star, beautiful when they want to. So it really depends um, on the high level ones I'm used to, meaning the ones that have these abilities. They can really, uh, depending on what they want to elicit, or trigger in me, they can present very, very different forms. Mm-hmm. And some of them are, um, with certain alters, are almost irresistible to me. It's a true struggle for the strongest part of me. Not so mm-hmm. much anymore, but I mean, as I was waking up, it was it was a terrible struggle. To So it can be hideous, and it can be uh, mesmerizing. And I do believe they're very hypnotic. Wow. Yeah. So um, it can go either way. So I tell people, I know most people know what darkness is and notice, you know, stay away from it. But it's the, it's the honey. Watch out for the honey mm. because they're capturing more and more people with feel good right. than they are feel bad. Um, feel bad, most of us will walk away. Some yeah. of us don't, but um, feel good they'll draw you in Mm -hmm. and um i've you know that's really more their mo on a mass scale than it is um the other Mm-hmm. Honestly, that is a, a very fair well, warning to put out there. It reminds me of, uh, I was reading a, a, a book by a biblical scholar, and they were talking about the uh, incident in the Garden of Eden. And there were, there's always been this debate of how the devil tempting Eve, and was he a snake or what was he? And this particular author was saying that he believed that the devil presented himself in a very beautiful, appealing way to the woman. So I find what what you said to be a caution to take to heart. They'll come to you and offer first. They'll come to you and offer the very thing you want the most, and you may not even know how much you want it. Wow. And that is a much easier way to lure someone in. I've met many people who have shared their experience with um, what what came in, in that form and... 
these are some pretty exceptional bloodline people, and then they realized what they were dealing with. Um, but that it was presented in a way that was just absolutely charismatic, intelligent, um, beautiful. Um, and if you think about it, really, even looking in our world and the controlling elite, mm-hmm. this is the world they live in. To me, that is the true Luciferic, which is the villain the um, philanthropists, um, the cultured intelligence, um, their gift to charity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's where you'll find the Luciferic living. Wow. Um, it's the satanic that is the, the Sith-looking, mm-hmm. um, in-your-face, scary, mean, um, you know, they don't care who knows. The Luciferic is suave. It's incredibly charismatic and hypnotic. So mm-hmm. if you look at the elite and their world and the high, you know, the high society, the, um, the high level superstars and supermodels and, um, our, our iconic godlike sports heroes mm-hmm. and, you know, their world is, that's what it is. It's hypnotic and beautiful and filled with carnal mm. pleasure. I I have a an unrelated question. Um what what is the the real danger of people coming out to to stop you, you know, from coming out with this information? You know, is is there a real danger that they they will actually do something to you? Well, early on those things happened um to stop me from continuing on the path. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there's a, there's always an entity presence, so I continue with my clearing and my protection and, and staying straight. You know, mm-hmm. they've got all the time in the world. Um, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, they can bombard you as much as they want, but truthfully, um, I'm not going to get big press. Mm-hmm. It, that's what they know. Mm-hmm. It's when you move into a certain arena and you're talking about certain things and you get a certain uh, level of, of view uh, where mm-hmm. people, you know, um, mm-hmm. then things change. And there's been many that have, have gone down in that, in that area. Um, but as long as I'm still, you know, pumping self-publish, um, doing alternative mm-hmm. radio, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, they're just, you know, there's a lot of us doing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my small community, um, a very small community that I'm living in right now, I have my books in the library. Most people in town have no idea. Wow. Wow. So as long as it stays that way, you can talk to your blue in the face. Right, right. You know, and mm-hmm. my view of it is that if there's anyone out there, because the more people that wake up and the more victims that break free, energetically, the stronger the truth gets. So yeah. I'll keep speaking until, you know, I don't have a voice. But, um, yeah, to me, yeah. that's the truth of the situation. Elisa, one more question before we let you go. And this is from the chat room. From uh, KP as Yeah, well. from KPM. I'm looking for it. Okay. The question is, how does Wang know if they're being victimized as a form of uh, mind control? And he's asking this in relation to what happened to you with seeing the uh, the young lady in the supermarket dressed up. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's not as easy as it sounds. As I said, it's, I spent a lot of years. Um, but, you know, self-honesty is uh, critical. De- developing your own discernment, um, not being afraid to uh, step outside of what you think you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's crucial. Um, having a very strong or developing a very strong inner life. Um, that will fuel all those other things I mentioned. You've got to use your intellect and you've got to Mm -hmm. use your spirit. You can't use one or the other. You must educate yourself, but you have to use your heart and your mind to do it. And don't be afraid to find out you don't know what you thought you knew. That's the biggest barrier I see with people is the fear of letting go of something they believe. Yeah. and have always believed. Um, if you just forge ahead and be willing to learn some of those crushing truths, mm-hmm. and I've, I'm, I'm speaking from experience, I've, I wouldn't ask anyone to do anything I haven't done a hundred times over, um, and learn those crushing truths, what I can promise you, absolutely promise, mm-hmm. money-back guarantee is that on the other side, all kinds of things will be understood. And yeah. every time you do it, all kinds of new information you didn't even know existed will come your way. It'll be handed mm-hmm. to you. Wow. Wow. So just forge ahead and um, don't be afraid to admit that you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The books are Our Life Beyond MK Ultra by our guest tonight, Elisa E. Check out her website, Our Life Beyond mkultra.wordpress.com and I highly, highly encourage people to get her books. Tonight we just talked about book one and honestly there is so much more in the book. There's so much more details that I think this was a good introduction for people that maybe haven't checked out the book yet to go check it out. Elisa, what can I say? Thank you so much for your uh, bravery and your courage and and for just staying up with us so late. You know, we really appreciate you sharing these these stories that I'm sure that even though time has gone by, it's still not easy to talk about. No, you know, it's gotten a lot easier, but you're right. There's always some kind of effect. But Frank, Genevieve, I really appreciate appreciate you inviting me on oh no, no. thank thank you thank, thank you, you for so doing much this. and uh, and hopefully we can have you back on the show and we can maybe discuss book two because i'm uh, i'm sure that's going to be just as engaging and and, and fascinating as, as the first one yeah i know that we didn't even get to cover the questions in the chat yeah <laughs> but thank you so much yeah, that'd be great you let me know absolutely right. have thank a great night so bye-bye thank you. good you night too. Bye-bye. Wow. Uh, what can I say? I mean, I, I, I said it at the beginning of the show and I said it throughout the show. This, this topic is, is really, it's one of those topics that, that you know, you, you keep digging and digging and it just gets crazier and darker the, the deeper you go. Uh, Genevieve, give me, give me some comments here. Oh, too many comments, but uh, top of my head. Um, what I like about this, this information is that instead of fragmenting the the paranormal as it were and i I mean everything that falls into paranormal field Mm -hmm. you know like whether it's ufos whether it's ghosts whether it's uh you know sasquatches or whatever astral travel everything but what this does is it links it all to one core idea which makes you start you know questioning whether when people are experiencing certain things seeing these things maybe they're not seeing different things Mm -hmm. or experiencing different things 
maybe there it's just one thing leading to different yeah. manifestations so i mean it, it makes sense you know why why would there be so many weird things out there in the world yeah. when occam's razor would have it that there's only one weird thing mm-hmm. but people see it in different ways and it can appear in different ways I, that starts making sense yeah it's it's funny because lately through our you know research and as we prepare topics for this show it, it seems like we're coming up against the idea that somehow Somehow, all this phenomena, all this separate phenomena is connected somehow. That's what it seems like. It's really scary and fascinating for me exploring this possibility that it could be all tied together. Again, like I said, it it would make more sense than, you know, people in Asia believing in this and people here believing in this and they all experience different things and they they all have their own demons and experiences. Mm You know, maybe they, they're not. Maybe, maybe yeah. they're not seeing something different. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about Elisa and her experiences and honestly learn more of how some of these methods are being applied today. E- even if you've, um, it's good because um, it's also available as an ebook. So yeah. If you, the, if you don't they have the Kindle around, option, yeah. right? And you can get the hard copy as well. Yeah. You can find them on Amazon. We'll be linking to those on, on our website. You know, don't forget to check out her website, which is, uh, again, our life beyond mkultra.wordpress.com. You can see her collages for the people that were on Ustream. They got a chance to see them there uh, flashing in, in front of their screen. And you can learn, like I said, more about Elisa. And definitely, definitely, I, I recommend getting the books there. There are a few books and, and the, the information in them. It's it's definitely uh, well, you know, worth, you know, more than what you pay for. So again, I encourage people to check it out. Our Life Beyond MK Ultra, book one and book two. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm sitting here literally at the edge of my seat i need to go have a drink and relax for a minute let all this stuff marinate in my brain a bit oh there's so much we didn't even talk about oh no believe me i had i had a million questions you you can see here i literally wrote another book of questions for elisa we're gonna try to have her back and talk about book two because i know that's gonna be another another big one but for tonight i'll have to uh, bid farewell to everyone Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that time again. We went over a few minutes, but that's what happens when you have a guest that it's, it's, yeah. it's amazing oh, gosh, and we just could have gone oh yeah over more than a few minutes. So take care, be safe, God bless. Don't do anything too crazy. We want to see you back next week. Thanks if you for missed, the questions. Yeah, the yeah. questions were great. Big shout out to everybody in the chat room, everybody that listened to us on uh, iHeart, and if you're catching this uh, as a podcast, hello to you as well. Um, yeah, total shout out to um, Prof Madness and Kung Pu for yeah. that. They, they came out they, with some great Yeah, there's questions. some really good stuff. As always, Genevieve Uway on Twitter, and you can find mm-hmm. her here every Thursday night, 9 p.m., hosting No Out of Flavors, phone, phone, <laughs> fun. <laughs> I, I was trying to say fun and jokes, and somehow I got phone. So folks. <laughs> jokes, <laughs> facts, and taking your music requests. So definitely check it out. As always, Engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook. Check out the website, WTRRadio.com, and follow the show on Twitter, WTRRadio. I'm going to go out with a song that it's a little long, but it's really intriguing. Uh, this, is, this is some... This is, this is some pretty pretty wild stuff. If, related stuff. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> hence why I have it here. If you haven't seen this video, well, listen to the song first and then go check it out. But this is the brand new 
track by David Bowie called Black Star. You need to see the video. Part of me feels like David Bowie has done it all. And it's like now, you know how people play with like chord progressions and key signatures and key changes? He could pluck a string and it'll be fine. Yeah, but it's almost like he's gotten to the level where he needs to compose using music genres into his music like he brings this genre and this genre and this genre and he he, it's almost like a throwback to 70s david bowie which we all love i mean he's an innovator in in many ways but check out this track it's called black star it's really creepy really crazy check out the video as well but we're gonna go out with that see you next week guys take it easy bye everyone have a good time bye-bye west of the rockies with frank the engineer on the independent fm los angeles